Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I want to talk about what it means to know and recognize the voice of God in our daily lives. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that we have some upcoming training programs here at Ellerslie in Colorado, and I would love to see you at one of them. We have a week-long intensive training program happening at the end of August. We have a five-week training program happening in September and October, and we also have another week-long program happening in early November. So there are a lot of options for you in 2020 to get away from the distractions of your daily life and become grounded in truth like never before. So if you are looking for that season of just focusing on Jesus and becoming rock solid in your faith, I encourage you to go to ellerslie.com, E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com, or you can go to setapartgirl.com and click on the Ellerslie link to learn more about our discipleship programs. I would love to meet you and connect with you in person and invest into your spiritual life this year. So let's talk about what it means to know the voice of God. There are a, there are a lot of us that are confused about what this really means, and we feel almost disconnected from God's guidance in our life. We wonder if He really wants to give us guidance for specific decisions, and we're not really sure how to know if He's leading us to do something or if it's just our own emotions leading us. And I know this is something I have really struggled with. When I was a young girl, shortly after I gave my life to Christ, I would begin to feel these different promptings or leanings from what I thought you know, was just coming from inside of me. But then I began to realize as I got older that that was the prompting of the Holy Spirit, leading me to talk to someone and share the gospel with them or pray for someone. And as I grew in my faith, I began to recognize that feeling or that nudge from the Holy Spirit when God was really prompting me and directing me into something specific. But as I got older, I began to recognize there's a lot to knowing the voice of God that I didn't really understand or comprehend. I was really inspired by a couple of stories from some Christian biographies that I read about hearing the voice of God. And one of them was from Corey Ten Boom in her book, Tramp for the Lord. She was an evangelist. This was after she was released from the concentration camp. She had lost multiple members of her family. She had an amazing testimony after the war of God's faithfulness in her life, and she was traveling the world, sharing the gospel, and sharing the faithfulness and the hope of Jesus Christ. And the way that she would decide where she should go next to speak and to minister was to go into her room and have a Bible and a map. And she would just open her Bible and let God give her scriptures and let God prompt her to different sections of the map, like this is where you're supposed to go next. It's sort of an unconventional way of being led by God, but it was really amazing to me how often God did really incredible things when she just said, okay, God, I'm open to wherever you want to send me. And she would feel very specifically of, you know, I'm supposed to go here, I'm supposed to go there. And other Christians would criticize her and say, you know, you're putting too much into this whole idea of God guiding you. And yet it was really hard to argue with how often God would meet her in these circumstances as she took those steps of obedience. There was a time when she felt really directed to fly from one country to another by a very specific route and make several stops along the way for speaking events. And she went to the airline or to the travel agent to book her ticket, and the agent said, 
well, that's impossible. You can't take that route from this country to this country because otherwise there would have to be an island in the middle of the ocean for the plane to refuel, and there is no such island, so it's impossible for you to go this direction. And Corey was so sure that she had heard God. She said, I'm going to go back to my hotel room and pray that God would bring an island to the middle of this ocean because I know this is the way that I'm supposed to go. And the agent kind of laughed at her and they parted ways. And then a, a few hours later, this ticket agent called her and said, did you really pray for an island to be discovered in the middle of the ocean along this route? And Corey said, yes, of course I did. And the agent said, well, God has answered your prayers because our plane now makes a stop to refuel on on an island that we've never stopped at before, and it is now possible for you to go that, that exact route that you felt you were supposed to go. And there were so many other stories in her book that really showed that when we put our childlike faith in God and we're willing to obey, we're willing to trust, He meets us there. And there's another story that really inspired me from Darlene Dibler in her book, Evidence Not Seen. She talked about being released from being a prisoner of war after the war was over. She came back to the United States. She Her story is really absolutely incredible. If you haven't read Evidence Not Seen, it's a book I highly recommend. But she came back to the States after losing her husband and after not having any contact with her family for eight years. And she finally got to a payphone and got her mother on the phone and she heard her mother's voice say, sp simply to say her name, hello, Darlene. And she said, I knew it was my mother. I hadn't heard her voice for eight years, but nobody ever spoke my name like she does, like she did. And she said, it's the very same way when my Lord speaks to me, when he says to me, my child, I know who it is who is talking to me. Now, those two stories from Corey Ten Boom and from Darlene Dibler caused me to ask the question, how can I know God's voice like that? How do I know when it is God's voice and not just my own thoughts? And I think oftentimes we make that mistake of assuming that we're hearing God when really it's just the voice of our own desires, our own whims, our own emotions, our own ideas that pop into our head. And sometimes in modern Christianity, we assume that if we have a desire or a personal dream, it must have been placed there by God, so we often rush ahead with our own plans and we tune out His voice. My perspective on hearing the voice of God was really transformed by a verse from Psalm 37.4, which is one of my favorite scriptures, "'Delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart.'" Now, at first glance, this verse seems like a free ticket to just do whatever you want to do, do whatever makes you happy, or expect God to give you exactly what you want. But a number of years ago, I began to take a deeper look at that verse from the Psalms. The word delight in Psalm 37.4 means to be soft and pliable. So in order to truly delight in God and receive the desire of our heart, we have to be soft and pliable to his will and to his ways. If we are clinging tightly to our own desires, we aren't truly delighting in him. And when it says, give you the desires of your heart, give in this verse means actually to deliver or to put. So in other words, as we delight in him, as we are soft and pliable towards his will, he puts the right desires, his desires for us into our hearts. God actually shapes the desires of our hearts to match his plans and desires for our lives. That is an incredible thought. It's not about God just giving us whatever we want. It's about the amazing supernatural work of grace that changes and shapes our desires to be in alignment with His desires. 
And one of the ways we can know that he is shaping the desires of our heart, and we're not just sort of following our own whims or our own desires, is that we begin to desire some very unusual things, things that the the rest of the world would look at and go, why would you ever want that? And if you look at the example of Christians throughout history who have really made an impact in the kingdom of God, I think of Jackie Pullinger, who was a missionary to the walled city of Hong Kong, which was a very destitute place. It was infested with drugs and poverty and crime. And there was a whole season where law enforcement even really wouldn't go into the walled city. It was just a filthy, terrible place. And Jackie Pullinger felt called there to be a missionary. And in her book, she talked about how every morning when she would wake up, she would be outside of the walled city before she actually moved there. She was just doing work in the city by day and sleeping outside the city. But she would wake up every morning and she just could not wait to get inside those gates, to get inside the walled city. And she was so afraid that somebody else would get there before she would get there to be able to minister to the people, which was sort of a funny thought because most people didn't want anything to do with the walled city. But that is such an incredible example of God shaping the desires of someone's heart to match with his desires. Jim Elliott and the other missionaries that went with him to reach the Alka Indians, that's another great example because these young men who had their whole lives ahead of them knew very well that it could cost their lives to reach these Indians who were so violent to outsiders. And yet it said in their biography that as they prepared for this mission that they knew was so risky, they were like little kids on Christmas morning. They were giddy with excitement, not with the idea that, oh, everything's going to be fine, sort of like an idiotic notion, but more with this incredible feeling of, of burning passion and desire to pave the way for the gospel to come to these people that were unreached. And again, that's how you know God is shaping the desires of your heart because the rest of the world looks at you and says, why would you ever willingly do that? Why would you ever have a desire for that? That's God shaping the desires of your heart. Gladys Aylward going to China. This is another amazing example because what she had to get through even to go there would be enough for most of us to run the other direction. She had to go through incredible hardship and discomfort. She almost was kidnapped. She was almost uh, assaulted. She was almost starved and froze to death. I mean, just, just getting over there. And when she got there, things weren't really that much easier for her. And yet she was thrilled. She was overjoyed because she knew she was in the center of God's will. Now, I can relate to this on a very small level. A, a number of years ago, about 11 years ago now, Eric and I had the desire that we really felt God was wanting to add another child to our family through adoption. We already had two children. They were really young at the time. We had a very intense life. We had book deadlines. We were leading a church, among many other things. And we met a young girl who was looking for a family for her unborn child. And after we met her, we both went home that night and prayed earnestly that God would give us the privilege of bringing that child into our family. And then we sort of stopped and thought about what we were asking and wondered, you know, why are we asking God for something that's only going to inconvenience our life. We already have two small children. We have a very intense ministry life. Why are we asking for this? And we began to realize it's because God put that desire within our hearts. And today that child is our 11-year-old son, Kipling. So God, it's amazing how God puts his desires within our hearts and also fulfills them in his own perfect time and way. If you have personal dreams and desires and passions, I encourage you to start by laying those things at the feet of Jesus and asking him to shape the longings of your heart. 
Now, he may choose to grant certain desires that you already have. For example, the desire to get married and to raise a family. Those things are not bad, and and oftentimes those have been put there by God. But it is so critical that all of our desires become completely yielded and surrendered to him, that we say, Lord, I know that you know what's best for my life. And even if it looks differently from what I've always envisioned or hoped for or dreamed of, I know that your plans for me are good to give me a hope and a future. And your plans for me are more fulfilling and more beautiful and more perfect than anything I could ever plan or dream for myself. My first experience with full surrender to Jesus Christ happened when I was in high school, and I began to recognize that giving my life to Christ was more than just acknowledging that Jesus died for my sins. It was fully committing and consecrating my life to Him, surrendering to Him and saying, Lord, not my will, but your be, yours be done. Whatever you desire to do with my life, I submit to you to do it. If we do not come to God with an attitude of true surrender, we will not learn how to know and recognize his voice. And after I made that decision to fully surrender my life to Jesus Christ, I began to sense the leading and the voice of God in my life like never before because I wasn't holding on to my own rights, my own wants, and my own desires. That really is the first step to knowing and recognizing the voice of God. And surrender has to be a daily thing. It's not something you can just do, say, oh, I surrendered my life to God when I was 13 and be done with it because there are always new areas of our lives that we need to lay on the altar and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I give this area of my life to you. Do with it what you see fit. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. And I think oftentimes we we hesitate to do that because we think God's plans for us are miserable. But why do we fear to surrender everything to the one who gave everything for us? His love for us is beyond anything we could ever fathom. And if he gave his only son to rescue and redeem us, why would we think he wants to destroy our lives? It says that his plans for us are good to give us a hope and a future. So it's not something we should fear. It's an incredible opportunity to say, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated unto thee. There's a verse in Psalm 27, 14 that says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart or take courage, some translations say, and wait for the Lord. And I've often read that verse and wondered why is that phrase, be strong and take courage associated with waiting for the Lord? And I've come to the conclusion that taking the time to wait and let God make your path clear, let him shape the desires of your heart and lead you in the way of righteousness, that requires strength of soul. It requires patience. It requires faith. The Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do we really believe that promise? Are we willing to diligently seek him in order to find the reward that he has for those who wait expectantly on him? As Corey Ten Boom says, God has plans, not problems for our lives. That means spending time in his presence. That means spending time in his word. That means tuning out the distractions of the culture and learning to recognize that still small voice that aligns with the nature of God. So I'd like to give you two practical ways to begin sharpening your ability to hear and recognize the voice of God. The first one is to turn down the noise. We live in such a noisy, distracted culture, and it's very easy to be pulled into the noise of our culture. Everywhere you look, there's something screaming for your attention. And especially with the digital world, it's almost impossible to avoid digital noise, but prayerfully consider ways that you can put boundaries around those areas 
areas of your life. Don't allow your phone to just always be in your face because if your phone is always in your face, you're always on social media, you're always texting, you're always just caught up in that frenzy of digital communication, you will not have the time or the internal focus to recognize or hear the still small voice of the Spirit of God. So prayerfully consider ways that you might need to turn down noise in your life, cultural noise, whether it's cutting down on time that you spend on social media, whether it's turning off the TV, off turning off the music, whatever it needs to be so that you have that time in his presence that is undistracted. And whenever possible, don't just fill your life with digital noisy clutter, fill your life with truth. So look for ways to listen to audio scripture or powerful biographies or post little postcards of scripture all around your house so that you're meditating on his message and not just always on the messages of this world. And the second practical is to make him your first turn. It's so tempting when you have a big decision to make, to want to pour out your heart to other people and seek human advice rather than running to the feet of Jesus. And he can definitely use the counsel of other people to guide us and to direct us, but it's so important that we don't just immediately turn to human wisdom. It says in Psalm 62, 8, trust him at all times, you people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And we will be rewarded when we run to the feet of Jesus and we lay our cares and our burdens at his feet, and we seek his wisdom because he delights to give us his wisdom. As it says all throughout the book of Proverbs, when we passionately pursue his wisdom, he delights to give it to us. So here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you about knowing and recognizing the voice of God. It's so important for us to recognize that there is always more for us to discover in our relationship with Christ. Pursuing a greater intimacy with him or a sharper understanding of how to hear his voice doesn't mean that what we have with him right now is not real or that it's not valuable or that we've never been led by God before in our life. It's just that there is always more to discover and learn of him. There's always ways to go deeper in our walk with him and ways to develop deeper intimacy with him and a sharper understanding of how to hear his voice and be directed by him. Eric and I always call this the endless frontier. There is such an endless frontier to be explored when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're not supposed to just pitch our tent on the outskirts of this frontier. We're supposed to constantly say, Lord, take me deeper. I want to know you even more. I love this beautiful hymn by Fanny Crosby. This is just a little excerpt from it, but it captures this concept so beautifully. She wrote, I am happy, O my Savior, for I know that I am thine through the pure and perfect cleansing of thy precious blood divine. But my soul would rise still higher. There are greater joys for me. I am longing I am praying for a closer walk with thee. Savior, come abide with me. I am longing, I am praying for a closer walk with thee. And I pray that that would be the cry of our heart today. As we say, Lord, I want to know your voice, that it isn't just about, hey, I want to make the right decisions in life, and I want to know that God's in my life, but it's, Lord, I want to know you. I want to abide with you. I want to be led into a fuller and deeper surrender to you, because that is where the fullness of joy is found. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into this idea of building a Christ-centered life and having an ear that is tuned to the voice of God, visit us at setapartgirl.com where you'll find loads of resources and articles and a mentoring program and all sorts of things that can help you deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ on a daily basis. I pray that you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.